0: Hello Hawks fans and welcome to another episode of the KettleCast with your host Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the KettleCast we talk about the Hawks' latest three games, their loss to the Houston Rockets, and their two wins against the Utah Jazz and the 76ers. We'll talk about who played well in those games, who played poorly, and what you should look forward to on the last eight games of this season for the Atlanta Hawks. Without further ado, let's get into it. After losing on the road to the Orlando Magic, the Hawks had to come home and face three playoff teams in a row in the Houston Rockets, the Utah Jazz, and the Philadelphia 76ers. The Houston Rockets bring, of course, James Harden and CP3, as well as Clint Capella, who's having a nice year after a slow start. And there was a lot of excitement in Atlanta for this game. With a MVP candidate come into town, and CP3 is well-known for almost being drafted here in Atlanta, I went to the game and I saw Dr. J was in the house, Quavo, who's made his spot be down low on the first row. Of course, the owners, Tony Ressler and his wife, Jamie Gertz were all on hand to watch this game. A fun game to, to watch. It wasn't a great place to see the Hawks do particularly well. The Rockets kept the game close for the first half, where the Hawks were able to close the first half with a little five-point flurry to keep it close. Before the Rockets really took control in the second half on two separate runs that were huge. Getting to the stadium early. You can always go to State Farm Arena an hour and a half before the game starts and see both teams doing their own version of the shoot around. Um, usually that means that the rookie players are getting their shooter around in further away from game time and the more established players are coming onto the court closer to tip off. It was really cool to see Eric Gordon, James Harden just kind of effortless, effortlessly shoot threes. Um, he is incredible. I I'd take it for granted for how easily he shoots the ball. The three-point line in the NBA is already very far away from the basket, and to see him just getting shots up, he does very little jumping on his shot. To see him go through his footwork and then see guys like Eric Gordon, who looks kind of huge compared to uh, James Harden and CP3, just in terms of being like a broad-bodied dude, he kind of looks like a normal guy when compared to the other guys who just look like they're, you know, in extremely good shape, just so tall. It's cool also to see uh John Collins practicing threes out there and he, it's his second year. He's still having a lot of fun just getting his work in before the games where CP3 and James Harden are a little more business like. If you ever get a chance to go to a basketball game and be on the court side or down low, I highly recommend it. It's just something that be that close to the action we had a ball come roll over to us while we were down there and got to throw it back to the players and um Steve Holman the voice of the Hawks came by got to talk to him a little bit Uh, we saw Tony Wrestler. it's just awesome and there's nothing like it in the NBA but back to the game the Hawks really had a tough game they kind of kept in contact in the first part of the game in the first half especially and then in the second half there were the Houston Rockets had two big runs. They had one run that was a 22-6 to six run, and they had another huge run in the fourth quarter to kind of cap it. The Hawks, some of their notable performances in this game were Trey Young had 21 points. He was 2-5 of five from three-point land with 12 assists, but he had seven turnovers. Um, John Collins had 20 points, 10 rebounds, and was a minus 18 on the night. Uh, Kevin Herter had a really poor game. He had four points. He was 0 of 6 from three-point land, and um, he did have three, assists and, or three rebounds and four assists. Torian had 16 points on four of six from shooting from three and only had two turnovers. DeAndre Bembry had 14 points, two of four from three-point land, which is not really expected from him. He had nine rebounds and two assists, and he was a team high or low, however you want to look at it. Minus three on the game, which meant that the Hawks only lost three points from the Rockets when he was on the court. And finally, Vince Carter, the freaking Aegis wonder, had 15 points all on three-pointers. He was five of eight from three-point land, three rebounds, and two assists. And it's amazing to me how quickly and just how much Vince has embraced the role of, of sharpshooter. And again, he doesn't have the quickest release. But when he gets the ball, he's shooting it immediately. And that really doesn't give defenders a lot of time to go out and try to challenge his shot. He A lot of his threes were kind of what kept the Hawks in the game. The Hawks were able to take the lead briefly in the third quarter. But almost immediately, or in fact immediately, Houston hit three straight three-pointers to extend the lead. To regain the lead, extend it, and they never really looked back from there. Notable... Rockets' performances, Clint Capella had 26 points and 11 rebounds. And to be honest, watching the game, it didn't even seem like he was really scoring or anything. He's just kind of the perfect big man for the Rockets' uh, system. He cleans up bad shots, and he rolls really hard to the rim when he sets a screen for Chris Paul or James Harden. And both of those guys are excellent passers. That's reflected in James Harden had 10 assists, and Chris Paul had 11 assists. James Harden had 31 points. He was in the game until the very end. In the game in Houston, the Hawks had snapped James's streak of 30-point games. And it certainly was a point of pride for James Harden to get 31 points in this game. Where Houston won this game 121-105. to 105. It wasn't close at the end, and there was really no reason for Harden to be in. But he got his 31 points. Like I said, he had 10 assists and 8 rebounds. Um, and he just... It's amazing to see him in work and get to the foul line. The game started with him getting three free throws. He he just is extremely good at what he does. He's extremely strong. It's frustrating sometimes to see him get the fouls, but for him to hold the ball and, and keep his arms out and get fouled and still make it a, sh- a shot after the foul is amazing. And then Chris Paul was just 13 points, one rebound, 11 assists. He also had three steals. And then what really pushed the Rockets over the top is the play of Daniel House. Um, The Rockets were able to get Daniel House a lot of open three-point looks, and he knocked him down. He's a player who played in the G League this season, and the Rockets converted his contract into a full contract. And he was 6 of 11 from three-point land, had 19 points, and really any time the Hawks sort of got any momentum going the Rockets were able to come down and hit a three-pointer. And a lot of that was Daniel House right in the corner. And that corner three that he hit is where, is in front of the seat that Quavo normally has. And every time he hit a three, or really any Rocket hit a three, they were turning around, looking at Quavo, you know, throwing the three up to let everybody know they made a three. You know, it was a fun game. Any game with Houston is going to be pretty high scoring. And it would have been a lot more fun if, Trey had been able to replicate his effort that he had in Houston at home. It was fun to have all the celebrities be in the house and to see the team in the Rockets who are trying to get the second seed in the West so that they would only have to face the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals up close and in uh, in person. One other note from this game is every game there's a half-court shot for $10,000 and it's usually a member of the Atlanta Hawks uh, fan club, which is their season ticket holders. And for this game, Quavo got to shoot the half-court shot. And I'll give him credit. He he got had the distance for sure. It was a little offline, um, but he he didn't make the shot. But it's like, what is Quavo going to do with $10,000 if he wins that? Uh, I think he was going to donate it to charity. They asked him what he was going to do with it. But it was fun to see an, a celebrity get up there and attempt the half-court shot. But I still think no one has hit this season. There there had been a big stretch over a couple seasons where no no one had made any half-court shot. And last year, there was a flurry of about, I want to say about four in six games or something like that, where uh, they made the half-court shot and, and it was actually, oh, all right, we have some shooters. But back to this season, we still have guys who airballing shots or not getting it there. At least Quavo had the distance, I'll give him that. Moving on from that loss to Houston, which was real tough, the Hawks got to play the Utah Jazz, and the Utah Jazz are playing really well and had a win streak coming into Atlanta. They sort of have a team you would think might give the Hawks a lot of trouble. The Hawks have been scoring the most points per game since the All-Star break, but the Jazz are always known for their defense, and the Hawks were able to Uh, not only just withstand the defense of Utah, but really inflict their will on this game, they came out with a victory. There were a lot of great performances on the Hawks' side of the ball. Trey Young had 23 points, 11 assists, and 2 rebounds. He was only 1 of 6 from the 3-point land, so for him to get those 23 points was really encouraging. John Collins had a tough night. The Jazz play with two bigs in Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert. and Against that length, that definitely bothered Collins, but he had nine points, one of four from the three-point land. He had eight rebounds and was plus three on the game. Kevin Herter had a little bit of a bounce-back game in, in terms of shooting. He has 14 points on two of six, shooting one, point, one rebound and two assists, but he was a minus eight for the game and uh, I'll, down the stretch of this game, he wasn't played in favor of DeAndre Bembry, but he, Kevin Herter had a tough assignment. He was guarding Donovan Mitchell for a lot of the night, and also he was helping on uh, Joe Engel a lot. Despite a great shooting night from, or not a great shooting night, but a solid shooting night from Kevin, um, it was surprising to me You looking at that plus minus. Torian had another okay game. He had 13 points, three of four from three-point land, three rebounds and two assists, and just one turnover. Him keeping those turnovers low is huge. Uh Bazemore at 12 points, all coming from three-point land, where he was four of six from. And I thought Kent Bazemore really kept the Hawks in it in the third quarter. The Hawks had been playing really well and sort of really controlled the entire game, especially the first half. And coming out into the second half, the Jazz took the game and turned it completely around and were able to turn a double-digit deficit into a lead. And without Kent Bazemore's play in that third quarter, the Hawks really wouldn't have had a chance to win this game in the fourth quarter. So it was good to see Bayes uh, sort of bounce back, and he's had a rough after the All-Star break season, and for him to come in and make shots was really big. Finally, let's talk about DeAndre Bembry, just because he had no points, didn't even attempt a three-pointer or anything like that, three rebounds, one assist, and he was a plus six on the night, and he was really playing good defense on whoever he was guarding, but it was mostly Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell had a monster game. He had 34 points, uh, four rebounds, and two assists, but I really thought that he um, took too many shots, and it's shocking to me how much usage he gets, how much the ball is in his hands when you have a point guard like Ricky Rubio on your team. 34 points on 15 of 32 shots is not really effective. and Especially at the end of the game, I thought Donovan was forcing it a little bit. You can say that they almost won the game, and that's definitely true, and he had a chance to tie the game on a three-pointer at the end. But I was really surprised at how much a team coached by Coach Quinn allows one guy to dominate the ball because it is noticeable when he's in the game, he's going to be dominating the ball and going to the basket and doing his best Dwayne Wade impersonation. Joe Ingles had a nice little game with 13 points. He was three of five from three point land and he had seven assists. Joe Ingles is known as Jingles. Jingles is one of the best trash talkers in the NBA Uh, If you go back and watch this game, after every single one of his three-pointers, he does a little kiss to the Hawks' bench. He's just annoying on defense. He looks like he's your science teacher from middle school. He doesn't look particularly athletic or anything. And then he goes out there and he's just an extremely good shooter and also just a very good passer and knows how to use his size and really does a good job of just being annoying and really getting under the skin of team's. Um, Ricky Rubio had a solid game, 17 points. He was two of three from three-point land and had seven seven assists as well. And when you see Ricky Rubio going two of three from three-point land, he's not taking any contested shots. He's certainly not taking any Trey Young bombs or anything like that. He makes his shots when he's open. and As his assists show as well, I just think that the ball should be moving a little bit more in the Jazz system and to see... Mitchell be so dominant and ball dominant um, was striking to me. Finally, Rudy Gobert had 12 points and 11 rebounds. I didn't notice a lot of what Gobert did, which is surprising. And I think that says a lot about how good Trey Young was with his floaters. On a night where his three-pointers weren't falling, he was just one of six, his floaters... And his ability to get into the paint is just so stunning for a guy who's in his first year in the league. The Hawks ended up winning this game 117 to 114. One thing that you can take away from all these games, maybe not the Rockets games, but certainly the Utah game and the 76ers game, is they weren't easy wins. And they were wins that at the beginning of the season, I don't think the Hawks would have finished out. They were able to close both these games out was very encouraging to see that um, there was a weird sequence at the end of the game when Dwayne Dedman made one of two free throws so that the uh, Jazz were only down by 3 and the Jazz had a chance to run a play to get a three point shot and they got the ball to Kyle Korver and he got fouled shooting the ball thankfully he was foot was on the line so it was only a two point attempt the loudest it gets in State Farm arena is when an opposing player goes to the free throw line in the fourth quarter because chick-fil-A has a promotion called the foul shot that if the opposing player misses both of their free throws, then the entire stadium gets a chick-fil-a sandwich um so certainly if you had odds on who would you know cash in this promotion, it wouldn't be Kyle, but Kyle missed the first free throw and now down three with about zero time left. He's going to miss the second one on purpose. He did, which Donovan Mitchell got the rebound and had a, a three-pointer to a attempt to tie it and off the rim. But for Kyle Korver to be the guy that misses two free throws to get the entire stadium Chick-fil-A, I don't think anyone would have written it up any better, especially after Korver had received a appreciation video Um, This season is the 50th year that the Hawks have been in Atlanta, and every time a former player has come into the stadium, the Hawks have celebrated that by showing a short video, and Corbett got his video in this game. It was a fun game, close game the entire way, and then to have the uh, foul shot promotion be claimed at the end there, just kind of finished it the right way, but uh, the Hawks were able to beat a Western Conference team that taste of a loss out of their mouth after that Houston game going into their game with the Philadelphia 76ers. 76ers are pretty much locked into the third position in the East. They're four games behind the Raptors, they are two games up on the Pacers. They're still trying to, to get wins, and especially at the end of the season. When they have this new starting lineup of Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, J.J. Redick, and Ben Simmons, they're trying to get those guys as much playing time as they can together as a, as possible. They came in, and this was a weird game where the first quarter the Hawks gave up 17 free throws, which was insane. The Hawks kind of had the game under control, it seemed like, in the first quarter, and then you looked up and the 76ers had put up 41 points in the first quarter. 41 points in the first quarter! Forty points in any quarter is just way too many. And for the Sixers to go on this little run that got them not only 41 points, but got them up by about eight points going into the second quarter, just it kind of sucked the air out of the building. And the Hawks would respond, and the Hawks had a monster second quarter. The Hawks took that six-point deficit that they found themselves in and actually turned it into a seven point lead going into the half and that came on the back of two runs they had a 17 to 3 run and an 11 to 5 run they had all the momentum going into the second half one kind of cool part of the first half Boban Marjanovic who is sort of an NBA legend because he's seven foot two and just huge He, he doesn't really he makes uh, other basketball players look like they're regular people because he is just huge. Hit his first three of his career in this game, and to see that seven foot guy sit in the corner and just drill the three and run back like it was nothing it was it was pretty cool. And um, his story is pretty pretty awesome. Boban played some of his summer league with Atlanta a couple years ago, and. He has been on the Spurs, and the Detroit Pistons, and the Clippers, and now he's on the 76ers, um, and it's good to see him continue to grow, even though he he just looks so different from all other NBA players, and it was fun to see him hit that three-pointer. Getting to some notable performances in this game, Trey Young was just incredible. He was 4 of 9 from three-point land, had 32 points, including the game-winner, he had six rebounds, 11 assists, and was plus 22 on the game. Um, John Collins was had 13 points, was one of one from three-point land, um, had nine rebounds. Kevin Herter had seven points, one of three from three-point land, three rebounds, five assists. Torian Prince had 23 points, four of 10 from three-point land, five rebounds, three assists. None, none of his buckets were bigger than at the end of the game, The Hawks were down to under a minute to go, and the ball moved around the court. Hawks couldn't really find anything, and it was getting to be under 10 seconds left to go on the shot clock. They got the ball to Torian. He went straight to the basket, made a layup to tie the game, um, and that really gave the Hawks a chance to win this. Um, Finally, Alex Lynn had a nice game. He was 14 points, four rebounds, one assist, coming off the bench. The big guys for the Sixers, Jimmy Butler had 25 points. Ben Simmons had 21 points, 9 assists. Joel had 27 points, 12 rebounds. Um, Tobias was really the worst guy at the starting lineup. He only had 13 points, 9 rebounds, and 2 assists. And he was frustrated the whole game. Um, A lot of that he was being guarded by Torian. So just again to give a lot of props to Torian for how he played over these 3 games. And then finally J.J. Redick had 14 points and was only 2 of 6 from three-point land a lot of that was with Trey guarding JJ and one thing to notice there is JJ runs on the court more than anyone in the NBA he's running coming off screens he's pull, make pulling a shot as soon as he gets that pass and one way that Trey was bothering him is he'd trail him on the screens and instead of trying to get in front of him when JJ would pull up for the shot he'd go behind him and try to bother the shot by reaching when JJ would pull the ball up to shoot it he'd bother him that way the Hawks did a great job on both Tobias and JJ keeping him locked down. And I will say the starting five for the Sixers didn't get any help from their bench. That's, and that includes Mike Scott, of course, regional manager, Mike Scott, making it his return to the uh, Atlanta. He did not get a appreciation video. Um, And I think young emoji maybe deserved one, but getting back to the game. So I already talked about Torian's play, which was fantastic tying the game right before that trey hit a big three to get the hawks back into it the hawks were were down a little bit going into the last part of the fourth quarter and trey was able to hit a deep three to put them up the 76ers answered the 76ers got up by two and then Torian and prince answered and there were about 38 seconds left in the game brett brown of the 76ers called a timeout to run a play and the 76ers ran the ball all the way down the full length of the shot clock and they ended up getting a shot clock violation not getting a shot off when the score was tied to get a defensive stop with this hawks group with the young guys on the court i think then with three seconds left the hawks ran a play and it was just get the ball to trey young he drove jimmy butler was guarding him he drove pulled up in the paint did his floater and made the shot with 0.1 seconds left to get a win like that on a playoff-bound team at the end of the season goes a long way with a young team. And so, especially after a really, like, to close off a really tough stretch of games, three three games in a row, to get Trey some positive momentum going forward and the whole team some positive momentum going forward, it was just an awesome game to be at. I couldn't have been happier for the guys to get that win. Um, especially... When Trey had a shot to win a game earlier this season against the Bulls, actually the game that went to four overtimes, that really got taken away from him when Otto Porter was able to make three free throws to send that game into overtime. So I'm happy Trey got a true game winner and really a signature moment for this season. You know, he's already had a 49-point game. He's He's been incredible. He's had a triple-double, but a game-winner sort of takes it up a notch, and it sort of reignited the question of who's going to be the rookie of the year this year between him and Luka Doncic, which is not an argument that can be ha- had just at the end of a podcast, but it's one we're going to get into as the se- season comes to a close. Some other stats from this game that I thought were notable, the Hawks had t- only 12 turnovers, 28 assists, and they did foul 25 times, which led to those 17 free throws in the first quarter, which was just insane. To come out of this stretch with two wins and one loss, is, I think any Hawks fan would be ecstatic about that. I, I would have been happy just to get one win out of these three, to see the guys play together, and also to see the young guys really, I mean, especially Trey, play so well over this three-game stretch was really encouraging. Some of the no, uh, the numbers just across these three games, Trey averaged 25 points and 11 assists. John Collins averaged 14 points and 9 rebounds. Torian Prince averaged 17 points, 2 assists, and 3 rebounds on 57% shooting and 55% shooting from 3. I mean, he looks so much different from that dude I was talking about who was hesitating and not really being assertive with the ball. In all three of these games, he was making decisions. He wasn't thinking about it. There was no herky-jerky, like... Taking time to process how, what was going on in the court, he made his decisions and he was shooting, which was awesome. Herder averaged eight points, four assists, two rebounds, and DeAndre Bembry had six point seven points, two assists, five point seven rebounds on fifty percent shooting. I just like to see him maybe get a little more run with the the first the starters maybe get a little more chance to handle the ball now that it, it seems that he's doing a little bit better job. The last thing I wanted to talk about on this podcast are the last eight games that the Hawks have. Tonight they play the Pelicans at the Pelicans. Then the Blazers come to town. Damian Lillard has injected himself into the MVP discussion with CJ McCollum being out. So it'll be interesting to see how the Hawks are able to contain him. The Bucks come after that with Giannis trying to make it. His statement on who should be the MVP, and um, they're still trying to claim the number one seed in the East and the number one seed overall. Uh, The Hawks then go to the Spurs, where the Spurs are still trying to figure out what seed they're going to have going into the playoffs and if they want to avoid the Rockets or the Warriors, so that'll be a fun game to watch. The Sixers come back to Atlanta in a weird quirk of the schedule. The uh, Sixers hadn't come to Atlanta all season and now they come back for the second time in about a week and a half. And I'm sure they're going to be wanting to beat the Hawks after the Hawks beat them this last game at the Magic where the Magic have destroyed the Hawks all season and is a series I need to look into just because of how well the Magic have played the Hawks. Um, Our last road game of the season is at the Bucks. I think at that point, the Bucks may have shut down their players and be getting ready for the playoffs, but we'll see what happens. And then finally, the last game of the season is at home versus the Pacers. Pacers are going to be in the playoffs. It'll be interesting if they're shutting their guys down and just getting ready for the playoffs. If you've made it all the way to the end, I want to thank you again for listening to the KettleCast. All my numbers and notes are from a couple different sources, nba.com slash stats basketball reference and also popcorn machine.net uh, is a wonderful resource they do a great job showing game flows which shows how the score went throughout the game and who had the lead and what some of the runs are so if you have any interest in some of the analytics go check out those websites please like and subscribe leave a review me out a lot spread the podcast i'm looking to get some guests on especially as the season comes to a close and uh, have some podcasts talking about potential draft picks and um, with the lottery coming up seeing where not only the hawks pick falls but also where this dallas picks falls with all that being said i want to say thank you again for listening and go hawks